The Education Apple, Episode 20, recorded on September 4th, 2013. Welcome to the Education Apple. This is the show that discusses Apple technology in the formal classroom as well as the classroom of our daily lives. And we've uh, got a lot of technology that we deal with day in and day out. And this is the show that tries to uh, look at that in detail and see how it, uh, uh, we can take advantage of it in our uh, everyday life. So um, welcome. This is Bill Brazil, your host for tonight. And um, uh, along with me today, we have Barrett Mossbacker, who is the superintendent of Briarwood Christian School and also a publisher in the Christian School Journal. And uh, Barrett, it's good to have you with us tonight. You doing okay? Bill, I'm doing well. And as always, it's a pleasure to be back with you tonight. Yeah, it's uh, good to have you with us. And we've got... uh, a number of uh, items to talk about, and we're getting close to some big announcements uh, on the Apple front. I believe they've got their um, uh, announcement next Tuesday on September the 10th, and um, that uh, will be on us before we know it. Um, there's a lot of rumors, of course, circulating around that, and uh, we definitely will be taking a closer look at that. But um, that's still in the rumor mill, and... Uh, I don't think we're going to spend a whole lot of time on that tonight, but there are some other interesting tidbits in the news if uh, la- lately. So we will look at that and just uh, anticipate um, the announcements coming next week. And before uh, our show, our next show, we'll certainly have some uh, uh, good information to share about that. So uh, we will set that aside uh, as we do like to look at all the Apple-related news, Uh, but uh, for the time being, for today, we've got some other uh, topics to discuss, and the first one that kind of jumps out at us, I think uh, Microsoft had some pretty big uh, news uh, uh, about a week or so ago uh, related to their um, CEO, um, and his name escapes me. What's... (laughs) Barrett, I'm oh, sure Steve, you, uh, Steve Ballmer. Yeah, Ballmer. Yes, that's right. Yes. Um, right. So uh, he is, uh, it's kind of a surprise announcement that he is going to be stepping aside. And um, I think that's not a uh, disappointment to a number of people. Uh, and as a matter of fact, um, as soon as that was announced, uh, Microsoft's stock jumped 7%. So that kind of gives an indication of um, how he has been perceived uh, as of late, so uh, I think a number of people um, uh, may be looking forward to a change there. Um, there's, a, I guess, the big question is who is that going to be? But uh, Balmer has been there a long time, and uh, I think 30 years with Microsoft. And I don't remember how long ago it's been since Bill Gates stepped aside. Do you recall? Uh, I don't recall the date, but it strikes me as at least, what, uh, 10 years? Because they keep, they keep referring to Steve Ballmer in terms of a decade, you know, that, during his decade of... Yeah. So it's been something like 10 years, I believe. Probably so. And, uh, you know, I don't know about you, but I never have uh, really recognized him as a real standout leader. I think he just kind of kept uh the ship upright for the most part but you know none of the things that microsoft has done seems like over the course of the last 10 years have really um 
jumped out and, and grabbed anybody. Um, you know, they they certainly have a, a staple in the in the PC world and uh, the OS and uh, Microsoft Office and backend server software. But you know, that really makes up the uh, majority of their um, revenue. Uh, they've tried a number of other things, but um, you know, yeah, they're, they're kind of a, the way I would describe them a little bit. They're just a kind of a gray suit company, you know, yeah. no, nothing compelling, exciting. Yeah. Uh, I mean, you're glad to have their office suite if you need that, but otherwise, it's just nothing very exciting of what they do. Yeah, I, I agree. I think it kind of, uh, you know, they've took over the uh, IBM. Um, uh, position in the world of computing, it seems like, and of course IBM was at the pinnacle at one time, and then they've kind of fallen off, and uh, Microsoft uh, may be following suit. I don't know, but you know they still uh, you know bring in a nice little revenue stream with uh, those three products I mentioned. I saw uh, somewhere where uh, their average pace of sales is equal to about one hundred fifty thousand dollars every. Uh, minute, so that's uh, <laughs> they're doing pretty well right now still, but uh, they've got a pretty big organization to keep going, and I'm sure um, with the competition from Apple and Google that uh, they are definitely concerned, and they seem to be uh, bringing products to the market uh, a step or two behind uh, everybody else. You know, they've tried the the tablet, the smartphone, and a number of other things, but they've uh, you know, kind of been on the back end of the curve as opposed to the front end. So I don't know if that's going to change or not. Well, I think they're trying because uh, did did I just see an announcement today or was it yesterday that did they just purchase a big stake in Nokia? I believe they did. Uh, I think their support organization they, they're trying to beef up maybe some of the support and uh, of course you know Nokia. Um, was a leader in in cell phones at one time, so uh, I'm not exactly sure what they're going to do with that. But um, yeah, that well, was think, a pretty think, big announcement. Well, it was. And I think Nokia has been their primary iPhone device maker in the sense of selling the most phones that uh, have uh, the Windows software on it. Yeah, that could oh. be. That could be. Um, you know, another a couple of other products that they've uh, you know made a, a pretty big um, uh, you know. Seems like they've made some some headway in as Xbox and their Bing uh, search engine, but um, Bing I don't think has really caught on that much. But Xbox, you know, I would have thought in the uh, gaming world that that was a pretty big, uh, pretty big money maker, but apparently not. Uh, I think it's uh, just marginally profitable if if at all. So I was a little surprised to see that, but. Um, I'm well, not a big and, and, gamer, but I'm, I know a well, lot of people do. Well, and the, and the reports I've read, too, is that they continue to lose substantial amount of money on their cloud uh, efforts and, and being included. Yeah. Um, so at some point, when does that the money pit stop? Yeah, that's <laughs> that's exactly right. So I, would be, um, I wouldn't be surprised to see a trimming of the uh, corpse there at uh, Microsoft in the next few years because – uh, unless they can bring somebody in there to really uh, ramp up the uh, the products that they offer in a big way, I, I just don't see them being able to continue uh, along the same path. But um, it depends on who they bring in. You know, some people say the only person that uh, would really be able to turn the company around is Bill Gates, but I don't think they're going to be able to get him back in there. So. <laughs> 
No, and I'm wondering if the – I mean he's certainly a smart guy, but uh, of course he's served on the board, so he knows what's going on. But uh, he hasn't had day-to-day operational experience and all that, and I don't know if he'd be fresh enough uh, to, to take on the Apples and the Googles of the world. Yeah, I, I don't think so. I'm sure his attentions have definitely turned elsewhere, and uh, he would not want to uh, jump back in, uh, at least for long term, maybe short term. Mm-hmm. But they need – they need some fresh blood in there, I think, and uh, you know we'll have to see see what they do. But um, that is uh, is big news, I think, in in the uh, Microsoft world, anyway. Um, moving on to um, uh, the next topic, it says uh, here that uh, I saw a report comparing Samsung. Uh, Android users and iPhone users, and uh, I think the main gist of the story was that uh, uh, those swi- the people that switched from one to the other, that the uh, iPhone switchers were um, about a third less than Samsung uh, phone users. So uh, essentially, we got a lot of, of uh, Android users switching over to the iPhone. Um, three times as many as uh, the iPhone uh, switching back over to Android, and I don't think that's a big surprise, really. I, I, you know, from <clears throat> from what I I kind of sense, and I never have been an Android um, user or, or fan for that matter, but I think it's a good uh, entry level um, way. A lot of people get into the smartphone uh, business uh, or smartphone uh, usage. Uh, you know, if they don't want to go expensive route, they'll go Android. And then um, if they want to get in it to get into it full force, they'll uh, switch over to the iPhone. Because I think I think the iPhone is just a better device uh, overall, functionality and uh, um, stability and and all the rest. So well, it's certainly more secure in terms of software uh, for malware and things of that nature. And my guess is that if it's the lower end initial consumers switching from a standard cell phone to the smartphone, they're going to start perhaps with the less expensive, not knowing much, you know, not really knowing better in some respects. Right. But as they become accustomed to using a smartphone, they read more about it, they learn more about it. That's when they probably become more sophisticated. And many of them, if they have the wherewithal to do it, decide to switch over to Apple. Right, exactly, and I, I haven't used one day in and day out, but I've got friends that have them, and I think just the stability of the uh, Android platform is is um, a lot less uh, stable than than the iPhone. I know with my iPhone, it um, it might uh, something might hang or crash or whatever, maybe once every I don't know month or two at the most. Um, whereas I think the Android uh, platform experiences a lot more than that so i don't know do you do you have that uh, same experience no in fact as you were saying that bill i, I honestly cannot think of a time in maybe the last six to twelve months uh when the phone or my ipad for that matter has crashed in any way really uh in fact i can't even think of an application well i've had a couple applications open up and all of a sudden just close down on me mm-hmm. so i'll have a you know an app once in a while do something strange like that but even then that's maybe once or twice in a given month or less yeah but i've never had the phone hang up on me or the my tablet for that matter right yeah i, I agree i agree so um Anyway, that that uh, little survey that uh, pointed this out was uh, done, I think, uh, over the course of about a year, from last July to last June, and uh, or this June, um, 
and uh, you know that we're just kind of comparing the two. So uh, kind of good information to have under your hat and to understand, uh, and it kind of confirms uh, what we we tend to believe and um, feel about the uh, the iPhone. So so that's good to see uh, that uh, be substantiated by some some research there. Another thing that caught my attention was um, uh, related to the Apple and the uh, the iWatch. I guess we we talk about sometimes, and um, apparently in the last uh, month or so, <coughs> a uh, Nike Fuel Band developer by the name of Jay uh, Blonick was uh, moved over to the Apple team. I think he worked for Nike and. Uh, helping bring the fuel band to fruition, and um, if we, if you don't know what that is, that's the uh, the fitness tracking band that you can wear around your wrist, um, and it's similar to a watch. Um, and it's uh, made some some headlines recently, and there are several devices like that. But of course, Apple uh, has been rumored to be working on something of a, a similar fashion, and um, this is maybe one more indication that. Um, you know they're trying to bring in some talent to uh, help bring their own device to market. So um, mm-hmm. I don't know a whole lot more than that, but it's just one of those things that uh, uh, we can kind of keep an eye on and, and see what happens as a result of that. Um, but I don't I don't think we're going to see anything um, in the in the near future. Uh, everything I hear it's going to be next year sometime. It'd be nice to see something earlier and if they uh had a surprise announcement next week that would uh, i think make a whole lot of people happy but uh i don't know that that's really going to be yeah. the case it doesn't sound like it but on the other hand i really do think that they're they're taking their time um they're more concerned with getting it right than getting it first right oh yeah but the iWatch has been rumored uh, you know to have several features i think uh, some people think it might have like a an inch and a half display and uh, run some form of uh, iOS um, and then be able to connect uh, to your iPhone uh, via Bluetooth most likely. So, um, you know, if they do it right, I think uh, that would be a a real uh, nice item to to add to the the iPhone and and the uh, iDevices. So uh, I think there's room for it. I don't know exactly... um, uh, you know how people will accept it. Uh, you know, I know some people have gotten uh, pretty comfortable um, knowing that, uh, or, or comfortable without wearing a watch. Now, I've tried that for a while because a lot of people just use their phone and all now. But um, I'm still, I tried it for a while, but I went back to a watch because um, it's hard to look at your iPhone um, without drawing attention to it, if you know what I mean. <laughs> yeah, you can't sne- In a meeting, you can't sneak a peek at what time it is very easily, can you? Exactly, exactly. <laughs> yeah. So I don't know about you, but I, I went back to a watch, and I, I enjoy having a little something uh, on my wrist. So um, yeah, maybe, maybe the younger generation doesn't care, but uh, I still like having that uh, feature. So a, a smart watch would be... Um, kind of a nice, nice thing to have. So, um. well, you know, along those lines, uh, you know, Samsung just released their Galaxy Gear, apparently, um, and I haven't uh, seen one anywhere in the local stores at this point. But it's got some pretty interesting specs. But it's a pretty large uh, device, and I'm not sure I'd want to wear something quite that large on my wrist. 
Yeah, well, that's going to be the other thing. You know, watches tend to be uh, fairly small, but, you know, to have much functionality at all with a a, uh, a good display is going to have to be relatively larger than a than a watch, I would think. So I guess that's really going to be the, the, the trick is being able to provide a display that has enough information on it without it being just too uh, bulky and, and difficult to to wear around because if it gets too large it's going to start banging around on you know your door frames and everything else that you're walking past so well um, and it, and it looked kind of awkward if you're in business attire or you know in a professional sure. setting uh, you know i don't know bill i don't know what you think about this but I, I keep asking myself what is it that i would really want to have on an iWatch on my wrist um and frankly, with the new uh, iOS 7 coming out and the ease to which you can get to certain basic things like weather and all that uh, compared to how you can do it now, uh, I'm not sure I want a whole lot of features. I mean, I've read some of the specs on the new uh, Galaxy Gear, and I mean, it's got a built-in camera, and it's got a speaker uh, built into the wrist strap, hmm. uh, microphone rather, um, uh, and so – and all these capabilities. I'm just wondering, do you really want to be staring at your wrist and checking your emails and your messages? Yeah. Uh, I just don't know. I mean, it'd be nice to have a quickly look at it and see the temperature is, you know, that kind of thing, and the time is, the date is, yeah. um, maybe a few selected things. But I don't know if I want to scroll around on my watch for contact information, emails, and my messages. True. No, I agree. And I think this is a case where um, less is more. And yeah. uh, and that may be one of the reasons they're taking, taking uh, their time, Apple's taking their time on uh, really bringing something to market here because um, – you know, there's got to be a good balance there with uh, the size and the information that it provides without, uh, you know, overkill and, and something that people just aren't going to be willing to, to wear around on their wrists. So. Yeah, I think if it will provide those basic functions and then the fuel band type of tracking, uh, monitoring of perhaps, you know, the number of steps that you take and, and those basic health-related issues, calories burned, mm-hmm. then I think it would be pretty compelling because right. that would be monitoring those sort of things on a continuous basis, uh, and that would be worthwhile, I would think. Sure. Yeah, and, and uh, you know, in addition to the Galaxy Gear, that uh, Pebble has been available for, for several months now, and I haven't seen one in person, but, um, you know, that's another smartwatch device that uh, has made it to market, and um, I, I don't know how... Well, it's been accepted, but um, I haven't heard a lot of negative about it. And I think they've they've opened it up to a lot of uh, third-party development. So, um, you know, that's just another device that's already out there. But hopefully, Apple will bring something soon uh, and and do it right and uh, you know integrate it well with uh, the rest of the i devices. And uh, I think if they do that, then uh, it could be a, a useful device. So uh, we'll have to. Have to see how that uh, plays out, but um, maybe they'll give us a little, a little uh, hint at something uh, this coming uh, announcement, uh, kind of like they've done in the past with uh, other things that are down the road. But um, we'll just have to wait and see uh, how that plays out. Well, what you think that the next what 16 months are going to be pretty critical for Apple? It seems to me that's going to be the time frame for major new announcements, products, rather than just merely upgrades. And if they don't do something pretty spectacular over the next 12 to 16 months, I think that might be problematic for the company. Do, what do you think? Yeah, I agree. I think you know there's a lot of expectations out there, and and um, 
you know, the Wall Street is uh, putting a lot of uh, uh, hopes in uh, new developments, new announcements, as opposed to just uh, upgrading what they've got. So I, I agree. I think there's a lot of pressure on Apple to um, bring some uh, new new devices to market and, uh, uh, you know, make another big splash because um, they've been riding on their laurels for a, a little while now. So, um you know, I think it'd be good if they could make some some new uh, new announcements, and uh, that'll be important for them. So we'll have to see. Hmm. All right, uh, Flickr also made some news this uh, past week or so with uh, a new or an upgrade to their iOS application. And um, I don't know if you use any of their tools, Barrett. I, th- I know you use the uh, the Flickr service, but um, they do, they also have a uh, iOS app that uh, uh, I don't remember all that it did before this um, this particular upgrade, but they've added a lot of uh, functionality and a lot of uh, tools to to the uh, the new upgrade to their app, and it is uh, you know has camera features, but several things that uh, are new to it is their filters, of course. Filters are big on uh, the iPhone these days and, and taking pictures. I think people kind of like to add a little pizzazz or add an old-fashioned fla- old flair to their pictures or, or whatever. And I think Instagram kind of kicked off that um, that wave. But uh, there are some neat things you can do now with uh, the filters. But one of the, uh, the selling points of, of their new app is that they have live filters, which I think... Uh, what that means is you can see what the filter will make your picture look like before you ever take it. So uh, you can be focusing on an item and uh, flip through several filters to see exactly what you want to uh, take that picture as or what filter you want it to uh, use when you take that picture. So that's one of the the new features that they've uh, thrown in there. And then um, there are a number of... um, of uh, professional editing p- tools that they are providing now as well. And uh, they've got some nice enhancement features and crop and sharpen, adjusting the colors and uh, levels and vignettes and uh, a number of other um, features along with, um, you know, locking your focus and your exposure points and that type of thing. A number of the applications of photo apps are starting to uh, uh, include that with their um, features. So uh, Flickr has has jumped on, and I think have done done a nice job in this particular application. So uh, I've actually been real impressed with their applications recently. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't like their websites particularly at this point, but some of their iOS applications I think have been very well done. Yeah, I agree, and uh, they're all. I think all of them are free. I don't. Think there's one that you have to pay for um, right yeah, now. I don't, yeah, I don't think I've paid for any so far. No, no. So yeah, they are doing a nice job uh, with their iOS apps, and um, I'm I'm kind of having a hard time picking what uh, what camera tools to use. I've got a number of them, but um, I think most of them do you know pretty much the same thing. Um, it's just kind of how it's presented and you know how easy it is to uh to utilize it what what I wish uh Apple would do and maybe in iOS 7 um they'll they'll make this 
functionality available, but I'd like you to be able to pick your photo app that you like and make it kind of the default so that when you uh, hit the, the camera button from the home screen, um, that application would pop up, if you know what I mean. So you don't have to hunt around or mm-hmm. um, you, know, you can get to the, the camera app easy because a lot of times I'll just kind of forget about going to a certain app and just use the default uh, camera app and, um, you know, then take my pictures and then realize, oh, I wish I'd taken it in this other app. But um, I don't know. I don't if know. I, be... Yeah, I don't see them doing that. Um, no. They seem, they seem pretty stingy with their native apps. Yeah. Oh. You're probably right, but uh, is that what do you do? What's your your practice generally for uh, taking pictures? Well, you know, I've got a, a very nice Nikon high end uh, kind of pro level camera. So when I'm doing serious photography, frankly, that's the one I use. When I use the phone, I just take the raw pictures or take the basic picture and then dump it in either Lightroom or Aperture and work with it there. So I frankly have not utilized a whole lot of the iOS level. Uh, camera apps beyond just the native one. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that's true. You can you can definitely work with your your pictures after the fact and uh, kind of uh, your post editing. But um, yeah, the trick is just kind of getting your own little workflow and and always going that route, I guess. And uh, um, but it's nice having that camera in your pocket all the time. Cause oh, you it is. Know when you yep. when you're gonna need it. Okay. Um, I had a uh I noticed soon after we talked last time about uh the uh Indiegogo uh, I think we talked about a uh a, an item that was on Indiegogo that had gotten uh crowdsource crowdfunded uh and it was the the Shine wearable activity mm-hmm. tracking device yeah. and um so uh we i think both of us were kind of not really knowing that much about Indiegogo so i saw an article soon after we talked that kind of compared Indiegogo to Kickstarter and uh thought we'd just kind of have a follow-up discussion since we got a little bit more information here now i think the the two um uh, the two sites and two uh, areas are similar, but there's some definite distinctions. And both of these, Indiegogo and Kickstarter, are a way that uh, companies trying to get a product off the ground can uh, post their product and request donations and request um, funding through these uh, two websites. And uh, have kind of a goal to reach, and if uh, the funding reaches that goal, then um, you know they can they can utilize those funds and uh, develop the product for for uh, consumer uh, purchasing. So Indiegogo has been around since uh, 2007, and Kickstarter uh, came around a couple of years later in 2009, and uh, as a result, Indiegogo's hosted. Um, more uh, completed projects. I think they said about 1.3 times more projects uh, than Kickstarter. So that's not uh, real um, surprising, I guess. Uh, Kickstarter, some of their big blockbuster crowdfunding hits. Uh, One of them is the Pebble smartwatch, which we mentioned just a few minutes ago, and um, along with some other uh, items. uh, I think Veronica Mars movie was actually uh, <laughs> kick-started, and uh, uh, Ouija gaming console was another one, I guess. Um, but 
uh, I'm not familiar with those, but um, they, uh, as far as the the products are are uh, considered, Indiegogo does not have near the success rate as Kickstarter uh, has, and that's probably one reason we're more familiar with with Kickstarter than Indiegogo. Um, I think only about nine percent of the uh, projects on Indiegogo have gotten 100 percent funded, uh, whereas 44 percent of Kickstarter projects have uh, been funded 100 percent. So, so definitely a a significant difference there. But um, one thing that I did find out that uh, was interesting was that Kickstarter you can't uh if if a project is not funded 100% it does not uh get off the ground it basically um it fails to meet its goal and uh you do not have to kick in the funds uh, that you may have have uh, promised on a project whereas indiegogo uh, even underfunded projects can still come to fruition if uh if the creator wants to continue with it, that's that's up to them. I mean, they can either uh, can it or they can decide. Well, I only met met my goal of you know by seventy percent, but if they want to, they can um, you know get the additional funds elsewhere or just kind of keep on with it. Um, so that's a that's a significant difference between the two. Um, let's see what else was. Uh, oh, another big difference is. Uh, Indiegogo takes a a much uh, smaller percentage cut, um, I think, than than Kickstarter does. Uh, so um, differences there. Another thing that I noticed was um, Indiegogo does not have nearly the um, strict rules for getting a project up and running on their site, uh, as does Kickstarter. I think Kickstarter has a uh, a lot uh, more narrow um, path to getting their products uh, or getting your product on their site. So um, <clears throat> that may be one reason some some folks go the Indiegogo route is because um, it's pretty much whatever whatever you want. Uh, there's no no guidelines, no rules to what the project would be. So um, uh, Kickstarter, I guess, could be kind of compared to Apple in that regard. Uh, it's more of a closed, curated, uh, high-quality uh, system as opposed to uh, Indiegogo. So we'll call yeah, Indiegogo. In, in, yeah, in, Indiegogo may be more like the Wild West. Yeah, the Wild uh, West. development and, in a way. Yeah, and or that, maybe the Android of the, of the uh, project funding um, uh, market, if you will. Yeah, so. exactly. So uh, one of the things I saw uh, on, the, on the Kickstarter site was um, – they they ban uh, bans include raising money for charitable causes. You can't do that. Uh, nutritional supplements are banned. Uh, they don't want any beauty products on there. Social networking apps aren't allowed. And uh, the the latest uh, guideline says that the uh, creators cannot offer genetically modified organisms as rewards. So that's a good thing, I think. Um, it is, yes. <laughs> it's kind of sad they have to make that uh, stipulation. but um, uh, we, We'd probably be shocked at the type of projects that people uh, offer uh, or try to offer on some of these sites. We, we'd probably be just amused. Yeah, yeah. I, or frightened, or frightened, or both. Exactly. Yeah, there, were, I, there was something that... Uh, uh, caught my attention a while back that I don't remember what it is now, but it, I just 
had to pause and think, really, do they have to, <laughs> is that really something somebody would do? But, you know, these days there's really not much of anything that's uh, taboo, I guess. So um, if they want to kind of keep their their uh, systems somewhat uh, clean and, and uh, police, they've got to come up with a lot of these stipulations. So anyway, that's uh, that's a little bit of a rundown on uh, Indiegogo and Kickstarter for, for those who may have, have wondered. But there are definitely reasons to pick one over the other. And um, uh, I don't have anything to put out there. I don't know if you do, Barrett. But, uh, <laughs> no, but if you do, I'll donate. Okay, well, that'd be good. <laughs> Maybe I'll come up with something one of these days. So. Okay, well, that kind of covers uh, the news, and um, thought we would move on to uh, what's going on at uh, Briarwood School. I know you've uh, been in session now for several weeks there, Barrett, and um, the uh, I guess it's phase two. Are you calling it phase two of the of the iPad rollout? I'm not sure what the terminology yeah, is. Yeah, we're probably actually going to refer to it. It's probably actually phase one. We went through the pilot, and so yeah. that's what that was. This is phase one. The second phase would be moving it all the way into the high school at that point. I got gotcha. you. Uh, so, uh, yeah, you know, Bill, it's it's going remarkably well, as good as I could have possibly expected. Just to give a, the listeners quick update here, uh, we're rolled out to our 7th and 8th grade students. Uh, that's a little over 300 iPads that have been distributed just to the students, not counting uh, faculty. Uh, we have have uh, smart boards. We've had those in the classrooms for quite some time. Uh, all the classrooms at this point also include Apple TVs in them, and uh, and then all the teachers, in addition to an iPad, also have MacBooks. So they're, they're pretty well outfitted. You, there's not much you could ask for that they don't have from a technology perspective in those classrooms. Uh, they have received two, give or take, two years of training. They received one-on-one -on -one, uh, individualized tutor uh, type training uh, on the applications and how to use them in the classroom all during the course of the summer. And then they continue to receive training every week. And so we have placed a huge focus on the level of training. Uh, we have had virtually no complaints from parents or students Thus far, nothing has been stolen or lost. We, there was one that was misplaced for a day, but we were able to track it down with our systems and locate it, and someone had left it in the auditorium. <laughs> um, and, uh, again, uh, the teachers, everyone has just been very excited about it. And what's, what I find particularly gratifying uh, is that the teachers are discovering new and more creative ways of using it, even it's going beyond their teaching. Uh, and so they have fully embraced it. Even the teachers who initially were either skeptical or scared of it or a combination of both of those, uh, I don't have anyone resisting it at this point. Uh, everyone has embraced it. Uh, we did have – one of the great little stories that we had, though, was there's a little uh, student who is uh, nearly legally blind. He's a sixth-grade student. He's actually not in our formal iPad program yet. Uh, and the parent was desperate trying to figure out how to help him. Uh, and our director of curriculum and development, which has worked with me for the last couple of years in helping us with the iPad program, it dawned on her that the iPad would probably solve the problem. And sure enough, they put some apps on the iPad, and now the student is able to hear anything that he or she wants to hear. It's a he in this case. Uh, can make the text any size that he needs it to be. Uh, papers, uh, homework, worksheets, books. 
are available, can be resized, can be scanned, can be uploaded to the um, to the iPad. And basically, when all of this was finished up, uh, the parent was literally overwhelmed. The mom is who we were dealing with primarily, and she just broke down in tears and basically said to us that this is making it possible for her son to remain at the school and to fit into our regular classrooms. Hmm. So that was that was tremendously gratifying. Uh, it's one of those things I had not anticipated. It wasn't part of our planning, uh, but it's just one of the extra blessings that we have enjoyed. So we expect more of those sort of things to come along. Yeah. Uh, but like with anything with technology, not all is rosy. In a strange irony of of, uh, of circumstances here, when we did the pilot, we had vir- virtually no uh, issues at all with our VPN filtering systems. Everything worked pretty much flawlessly. Uh, we use a program I've mentioned before called Edmodo. It's a, it's sort of like Facebook, but it's a walled garden system, and it includes applications. It includes grading systems, calendaring systems, uh, document libraries, and all that. So it's very much geared for school. Worked perfectly. And then, and then for, I don't know what these companies were thinking, but basically two weeks before school starts, they did major upgrades. Mm-hmm. Uh, in the case of our VPN servers, uh, they upgraded all their servers. Well, inevitably that created bugs and problems, and so we had students who in some cases with the VPN system set up the way we initially had it weren't able to, to log into Internet, uh, particularly at home. Uh, they didn't have too much trouble at school, although it tended to be a little uh, unreliable for a while. And then Edmodo came out with a brand-new iPad app, and they also updated their servers. And they're doing this like the week or two before school. So what do you think happens? Well, we end up with problems for the first couple of weeks. And whereas it had been working great, we were having difficulties. And and that was starting to become a source of frustration, primarily uh, for the teachers who had worked so hard and the pilot had gone so well. And then when it finally hits full force, we started running into these problems. So basically, you remember, Bill, the movie Apollo 13? Mm-hmm. And uh, the guy there at NASA says, failure is not an option. Yep. <laughs> I, I literally called my senior staff into my office and basically said that to them. I said, we have invested X number of dollars. We have invested three years. And I don't care what it takes, but I want – all hands on deck, and I want this problem fixed. Yeah. And um, and they were able to resolve it. I mean, they, some of them put in almost 24-hour days in a couple of cases, uh, but we had it uh, we had it fixed within two days, and now everything is running on all cylinders. And so far, so good. No no hiccups after those initial uh, road uh, uh, potholes that we had in the road. Yeah. So so, so your problems though were were. The uh, software vendors' um, issues, I mean, did y'all have to come up with some, some workarounds in the meantime? Is that what you were we did, referring yes. to? Yeah. Well, the workaround we had to work – the workaround, excuse me, was the, was the VPN. We couldn't do much with Edmodo. We just had to wait on Edmodo. But, yeah. yeah. But they, they got that resolved. They're a good service. But the VPN one required some technical workarounds for a period of time until they could debug it. Uh, they moved us up to level one support which is pretty significant given the size of the company we're dealing with. Um, but we eventually got it, so we're in good shape at this point. Okay. But so, it just, I just couldn't believe they did it the two weeks before school started. Yeah, well, that, yeah, that's, that's poor timing. But, you know, the, uh, the alternative they're not going to do either is wait until the, <laughs> the summer of the, after the school year is over. So, um, you know, that's just uh, the way it fell on the calendar, I guess. But, yep. yeah, that was, that's unfortunate. So uh, the VPN product you're using, that's what's really kind of 
uh, walling off your your students from being able to get to uh, the open internet, right? You, you just have a handful of of sites that uh, that are allowable. Is that right? That's right, uh, and, and there's a couple of reasons we do that. One, to protect students, obviously, uh, but the other one is that we don't want the iPads to become a source of distraction for our students. And if they have full Internet access, if they have IM, if they have Facebook and all these other things, these are young kids. Even adults have a hard time sometimes maintaining focus and self-discipline, let alone you know young students. And so what we've attempted to do is remove the unnecessary distractions and the temptation to those distractions and made it an educational device. And as a result of that, uh, they're much more organized. Uh, they're finding it very productive. Uh, they're not losing papers. Everything's always with them, and the parents are raving about it. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's working very well. There are a few – you know, we, we do have a couple compromises without a browser that can make things a little more complicated for some research purposes. But they have access to the Internet uh, on their home devices and all of our library uh, systems and our computer labs. So they have just as much Internet access now as they had before we launched the iPad program. Sure. Uh, so they're, they're fine. Good, good. And as far as the uh, the teachers – Discovering ways to uh, uh, use these devices uh, it, more over than what y'all trained on and, and provided for them. You have any uh, specific examples of that that you want to share? Yeah, yeah, a couple. Uh, one is uh, there's a program that we didn't really train on or speak much about, but we did make it available to them. I think it's called Socrates or Socrates, and basically it's it's an instant quiz, instant polling system that students have on on their iPads. A teacher can at, teach a lesson, or maybe the teacher may actually ask some questions, do a little poll before teaching a lesson, and get immediate feedback that graphs everything up on SmartBoard, so you see the graphs and and that all the students responded, but it could be anonymous or by name. It's up to the teacher, so students may feel safe to respond and answer questions or give their opinions. Then the teacher will go ahead and teach a lesson, and so the teacher has established a baseline, teaches, and then does the same poll again or the same quiz again and can immediately determine is the class getting it? Do they understand? Do I need to reteach this particular part of this lesson? Uh, and that is proving to be extremely helpful to teachers because they have nearly instantaneous uh, feedback and assessment of student uh, uh, knowledge and uh, understanding of what's going on. Yeah, so so the teachers are able to put together questions real easily, I guess, and and post them for, for the students to be able to answer straight on their iPad. Is that the way that that's works? Right. Yeah, that's right. Then, then, then the system aggregates that data and throws it bar charts and, and summaries and all that and or by student or by student number if we don't want to, you know, if we want to keep it anonymous for the sake of the students. Right, exactly. Yeah, you don't want don't to point out the <laughs> the guys that didn't quite get it right, but um, no, that's, that's a right. nice way to be able to to test that out, um, you know, without embarrassing anybody, because you really didn't have a way of doing that before, I guess. Well, that's exactly right. But the teacher knows who that is, so the teacher can quietly go up and help that student or whatever. But the whole class doesn't know. Sure. And yeah. uh, so that's very helpful. And then we had that in our high school, even though we've not fully deployed it with all the students yet, uh, we have iPad and MacBook carts available. And uh, in our chemistry program, uh, teachers have gotten creative, and they have a new uh, a new program that I've approved for them. I think it's called uh, JotForm, I believe is what it is. And they're using it for the submission uh, digitally of all of the students' uh, lab reports and lab workups and uh, all of their analysis and their findings and all of their data, and it's all done digitally through their iPads. Um, and so that's working very well. Yeah. 
So, so how does it work if a? Um, I know that you have uh, provided a a standard set of of applications for everybody to have on their iPads and and all. But if a teacher comes up with a new app, as we know, apps are coming out every every day, new apps and new functionality and all. So I imagine that's kind of a, a moving target and 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 uh, grows. And are you giving the teachers some flexibility to? To pick new apps that they could uh, to use in their classroom, and if so, how how does that process work? Essentially, what we do is we allow them to put it on their own device to test it to see what they think of it, and if, if they anticipate it's going to meet their needs. If they conclude it's something they would like, uh, then they put it into the queue um, for us to vet, and uh, so we'll collect a group of rec- you know recommended apps or requests that teachers have, and give or take every two or three months. Uh, the IT department will thoroughly test them, make sure that they're working, make sure they're not going to take up all of the memory space on the iPads, make sure it doesn't pose a security risk to our students or somehow could bypass our security systems. Mm-hmm. If all of those things pass muster, then the intent is that whenever they refresh the iPads or on a selected basis they might do this, they will install those applications. Uh, what they can't do just due to sheer volume is constantly being up updating hundreds of iPads based of, you know every week or so based upon requests for particular applications and we do want to vet them uh, we want to make sure that they're really worthwhile there's not something better sure. uh, it's not redundant that kind of thing absolutely yeah that's that's important to do to be able to to keep a handle on everything that gets thrown out there and it's good that you've got a pretty closed environment to uh to do that and um i think the way you've got it set up is uh you know helps in the long run there because things can get out of control real quick if you're not careful um, well we, you know sometimes less is more it's a little bit like your comment a little bit earlier about you know not knowing for sure which photo app you want to really use mm-hmm. well we don't want to create that dilemma for our students uh they need to to use the best possible apps and become real masters at them so that the technology fades into the background it doesn't become preoccupying because really this is about education not about a device and hardware and uh, applications right right so. Well, good. Well, that's good that the uh, the teachers have that flexibility, and that'll give them, um, you know, some real ownership, I think, in in how they, uh, you know, carry on and, and move their training forward with the new devices. So um, that's good to hear that they've got that uh, capability to bring some new apps to the to the table there and have y'all review them. So that sounds like a good system. Yeah, it's working for us, and I'm sure we'll refine it as we go along, but right now uh, that seems to be working well for us. Yeah, good. All right. Well, good report, and it sounds like uh, things are definitely moving in the right direction there, and as always, they're going to be snags. So, uh, as long <laughs> yeah, as next year we'll be pre- – next fall we'll be even better prepared to anticipate that happening. So. Yeah, yeah, just uh, – right. You know the questions to ask ahead of time to find out yeah. if they are going to be – changing changing things up right right before school starts so um all right um well let's uh let's move on then to our uh application and uh twitter followings uh we we always like to to make a few picks of things that we've found and uh are helpful to us and share them with uh, the listening audience and um so we try to pick one application and one Twitter pick, one Twitter following, and uh, you got a couple, 
couple of those for us this week, Barrett? Uh, I do. Uh, my at pick is something called Letters, but it is spelled L-E-T-T-R-S. Uh, it's a little hard to explain, but it is a modern twist on writing old-fashioned letters. So the way this works is you, there's an iPad app, iPhone app, and, uh, and a website, and you basically can go to there, go to the site, and they have various templates which look like you know parchment or whatever it might be, uh, and you can write a letter and have it you know and send it to someone, and you can do this several different ways. Uh, you can send it electronically if that's what you would would like, and there's no bells and whistles. It looks like printed paper, uh, although it's really digital at that point. Uh, but it does slow you down, and it does add a certain elegance to it that just don't get in emails. And so it, it's sort of an aesthetically pleasing application in that regard. But what's particularly intriguing is that you can also have it sent through the postal service. So you can write your letter, and then it's a little bit like Apple's uh, card program. Uh, you send it to the company, and then they will print it on real paper what you're choosing – and they will mail it to the postal service, and people will receive a real letter. But it has the advantage that you can also archive your letter digitally so you always have it, or you can scan old letters that you may have that you would like to keep uh, and keep it uh, in that application itself. Uh, they've got something like uh, something called Preserve Letter. They've got something called The Fridge where you can post a public letter. So let's say you wanted to write on some topic and post it for public consumption. Uh, you can do that. Uh, they have uh, the metaphor of a kitchen counter for when you receive these letters. Uh, you can keep your letters in what they call the shoebox so that they're private, uh, and you have an address book or pen pals there. So it's just a, um, a, a contemporary take on the old-fashioned letter. So okay. uh, some of the listeners may find that intriguing. So, so you have the option of either sending it electronically or through the mail is what you're saying. That's exactly right. Yeah. Now, now, do you have, you know, if you took that one step further, it would be kind of neat if uh, you could actually have somebody handwrite it if you're going to send it through the letter, I mean through the mail. Mm-hmm. And uh, I guess I guess that might uh, <laughs> be a little sensitive in some cases. but um, <laughs> Well, it would be kind of neat, especially given my handwriting. It might be worth paying for. But uh, anyway, it's just kind of a neat idea. It just It just makes it a little more aesthetically pleasing. Yeah. Um, uh, just a little uh, newer twist of just sending a kind of a quote-unquote cold email might come across, how that sure. might come across. So sure. okay. my Twitter pick is a little odd in that it's not a f- something you need to follow. Uh, there is something called the Unofficial Index to Educational Hashtags, and it is a, mas- a massive index of hashtags by category related to educational topics. Uh, and it uh, is extremely helpful. So if in this case, if you happen to be in education or wanting to follow educational uh, trends, uh, you can choose the right uh, hashtags to either search for or to post your own tweets to. And so what I recommend we do, Bill, on that is I've included the URL for that, and perhaps we can have that included in the show notes for our listeners. Sure. Uh, but it's called the Unofficial Index to Educational Hashtags. Uh, you could also Google that, and you'd be able to find it as well. So, so you don't want to read out the uh, the URL <laughs> for our our listeners. It's long. I guess I could have given a short, you know, used tiny URL and shortened it, but no, nah. it's a long URL. Uh, but I think if they just Google the unofficial index to educational hashtags, they can find it, yeah. and we can include that in the show notes. I think. Yeah, I'm, I'm looking at the uh, URL right now, and it it would be uh, it takes some time even just to read it out. It looks like so. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, good. That sounds sounds like it'd be real helpful. My. Uh, 
app pick for uh, this week is something called uh, Editorial, and it's a plain text editor for uh, the iPad. It's really only available on the iPad, but um, it's got some additional uh, automation tools and uh, really nice presentation inline preview for uh, writing Markdown if you you're into the Markdown thing, and <clears throat> it's got some some pretty powerful um, extensions uh, for workflows, and and you can also uh, script and do some scripting with with Python, and uh, you know make your uh, workflows for you know whatever type of writing you may do um, much more automated. And um, if you want to just use it just for writing or just for uh, doing your markdown, it's a, it's a nice tool, but it just has some additional uh, powerful features built in to it that um, you know if you do much writing on the uh, uh, on the iPad, uh, you might find it to be uh, pretty helpful. So um, I think it's fairly uh, new application that's out there. I don't know, Barrett, have you run across this uh, before? I know you do a fair amount of writing on your iPad, but um, I do, uh, and I actually use Markdown. Uh, and in fact, I I use Markdown now for most everything I initially draft out in most instances. But no, mm-hmm. I, I've experimented with several. I've not used Editorial because I like to be able to have it uh, also on my Mac so it's compatible between the two. Yeah. Uh, and I've looked at IA Writer, which I like, and I've looked at NVVault. But the one that I've defaulted to primarily uh, is Byword, which I like. Right, uh, right. So. Yeah, this one, this one uh, doesn't quite have that... Um, uh, ubiquity yet with uh, all the devices since it's really only available on the iPad, but I wouldn't be surprised to uh, see some momentum build and, and this tool uh, be available elsewhere uh, in the near future. Cause now, build it. Do you like it better than ByWord or something? I mean, what is it about it that you like better? Well, it's, it's just a nice presentation, but I think the, the scripting capabilities that uh, are available to it just give a lot more um, uh, features and and able to you know uh, automate your workflows that much more. And I don't have a whole lot of examples yet um, for for doing that, but I did did notice it recently and thought um, you know there would be some folks that would uh, be interested in this this particular uh, text editor for the iPad. So so that's why I bring it up. And um, of course it it syncs with Dropbox and. Um, uh, has a an in-app browser as part of it as well, and and switching between the markdown view and the browser and even the help uh, screens is real uh, easy and um, helpful as you're writing writing in it. So um, I think I think a number of folks will find it helpful. So that's the reason I wanted to to bring it up today and uh, as another good good tool that's available for for us out there on the iPad. Um, and then the Twitter pick for this week is uh, Apple Spotlight. And the reason I, I bring this one up um, is because a lot of attention will be on Apple here in the next week or two. And, and these these guys basically just highlight all the, the latest and greatest Apple news. And it's uh, at Apple Spotlight, all one word. So um, you might uh, want to tap into that at least for the next few weeks as there're going to be some uh, a lot of uh, movement around Apple and their new uh, iPhone and iPad so um that'll be one place among many 
that uh, we'll be able to get a lot of information from. So uh, that's uh, that's the, the Twitter pick for the week. So so that's uh, I think that wraps up everything we had on our list this week, Barrett. And um, well, we covered a lot of ground. Yeah, a lot of things going on, and uh, like I say, next. Next time, we will have a lot more specifics on what's going on in the Apple world and the Apple products, the the new, uh, the upgrades. So uh, we will definitely take a deep dive into that next go around and uh, cover that as, as best we can. So I don't know how long I'm going to gonna be able to hold out on the new iPhone, Barrett, because <laughs> my daughter yep. wants my, my old one, so that's a good excuse for... Um, Upgrading, so we'll, well see. Well, I've got my excuse already. I've got a couple of my staff members who's having trouble with their phones, and one's a three, was a three G, I think, or yeah. something. So I'm going to repurpose mine as soon as it comes out. Good, so, good. Uh, so I'll be able to do something, I think. So. Yeah, yeah. Well, I don't know if I'll be as fortunate as I was last time. I'm not one that uh, stands in line, so oh, that's, no, that's no. not going to be happening. But I did get my uh, my current iPhone on the day it was released and i'm not going to say how because i don't want to release <laughs> all my secrets but uh in fact I, I didn't even plan it out but uh, i think i learned a couple things uh, and i may give it another try see if uh if that works again this go around but um we'll we'll try to get our hands on one as soon as we can uh because I want to take care of my kids, so that's my excuse. Yeah. So, and I'm sticking <laughs> with it. Good, uh, yeah, I think that's a good idea. Your wife would probably appreciate that. That's right. That that goes over well with uh, with my yeah. wife too. So, yeah, if you can yeah. cover those bases and and still come out ahead, you're doing good. I think. That sounds good. So, all right. Well, we'll uh, we'll close it down on that note. And uh, as always, don't forget to follow us on the internet, and you can find me. Um, and on Twitter at Bill Brazil, that's B-I-L-L-B-R-A-Z-E-A-L. And the website is pretty much the same, BillBrazil.com. So um, you can find uh, find our podcast there as well as other information. So uh, be sure to check that out. And Barrett, where can we find you? You can find me on Twitter at B Mossbacker, B M. Uh, if I say it, B-M-O-S-B-A-C-K-E-R, and uh, they can visit my uh, blog, The Christian School Journal, which is christianschooljournal.com. All right, very good. Okay, then, uh, until next time, thanks for listening in, and uh, be sure to tell your friends, and uh, if you're interested in this podcast, uh, tune in, and uh, we'd love to, to hear from you as well, so feel free to drop a Drop a line to us if you can. So uh, until next time, thanks for listening, and we'll uh, check you later.